Welcome to the Settle the Matter podcast, where we have conversations and even disagreements at times. Grab your warm beverage of choice, take a seat, and let's get ready to settle the matter. Hello, everyone. Um, I'm here with uh, Lena. Uh, I'm going to give a brief intro of how I met Lena. Um, Lena was a student in my trig course. Um, she was very fun to have in class. Um, there are a few things that made me interested in a podcast conversation with Lena before we get going. So I'm going to just kind of lay those out. Um, she came to our argument club once at the college, um, and the lot, and the lot fell to her to pick a topic. And she asked a really particular question that I found very interesting. And her question was, if someone abuses another person, should the victim forgive them or not? It spawned a much deeper conversation than most of the conversations we'd had at that point. And it just kind of intrigued me. That question really intrigued me. And it, it involved students really opening up and sharing a lot of stories from their history about being surrounded by different situations where abuse was present. Another interesting thing about Lena that I found was she came to class one day and asked me if she could wear a costume to class on Halloween. So I'm going to rat her out here a little bit. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, sure, and asked her what she was going to be. And she said she was going to be a lobster. Yes. Is that correct? A hundred percent. Right. And so I thought that was moderately unique to come to Delta College dressed as a lobster. Sure enough, she showed up in a lobster outfit, which was very cool. So I knew that she was courageous and unafraid to express herself. And then I found out she was involved with theater, which the picture started to fit a bit more. Um, Lena was also in a public speaking class at the same time as my trick class. And she asked if I would listen to her speeches so she could practice them. And I thought the, that was actually pretty cool. And I felt that her speeches were actually really well reasoned and spoken for someone who's taking a public speaking class at a college. So I really enjoyed her her uh, speeches as well. I only listened to, I think, two of them, right? I think so. I believe two. They were both very interesting. So so one of the things I wanted to discuss in the podcast today and just see where it goes is that Lena has kind of a interest in theater and a flair for theater, and she's also clearly interested in expressing herself in unique ways, and she has an interesting background, which I heard about a little bit from just sitting around before class with the other students and also in the argument club. And she has an openness to dialoguing about controversial things as well. I've noticed that. She's just totally fine talking about whatever. So I wanted to start with a quote I like about playwrights and theater. And we're just going to start talking about that. Then I have another quote after that. And we'll just kind of see where the conversation goes. This is by Oscar Wilde, who, if you don't know who Oscar Wilde is, you can do some research. Um, uh, Oscar Wilde is a, a pretty famous individual in the history of theater and literature. He said, I regard theater as the greatest of all art forms, the most immediate way in which a human being can share with another the sense of what it is to be a human being. So we'll just start out the conversation. Um, you can, in the, in the context of this, you can share whatever you want about your history, Lena, or how it relates to the question. But I guess the first question is, do you agree with Oscar Wilde? And if so, what do you think makes live theater unique? I do agree with Oscar Wilde with how he worded this quote. I think when I first read about it, at first I thought about actors and how sometimes, a lot of the times, um, actors, they actually 
portray a lot of these characters that actually uh, hit very close to home with us in mm. certain situations or certain personalities or even flaws too. But as I was thinking about it a little bit more, I've come to realize that it's when you're putting on a play or a show or a movie or anything remotely close to acting, you come to realize it's more than just the actors portraying the closest form to a human to another human. It's the playwrights. It's mm. the lighting, the costumes. A lot of these people come from different backgrounds, but even though they just completely differ from who they were, uh, from their personality to their talents, I feel like they come together on this project because they relate to it in some way, mm. um, especially the writers themselves. I think they sometimes portray themselves in their character. So I do agree with him on this. I do think this is the purest form of portraying what it means to be human to humans. So do you think when you when you enter into like, how long you've been doing theater? I actually started Just out. started? I did. I've always wanted to do theater, though, when I was very young. Um, admittedly, I was very shy, though. Mm -hmm. So I kind of thought with me being a little bit more quiet and soft-spoken, because with theater, you're very out there. You're very loud. Sure. Uh, and, and there's different types of theater. There's improv. There's a musical theater, which also mm -hmm. includes dancing and multiple just costume changes sometimes. And you're really out there for that. So I always sort of thought with me being a little bit more quiet and sort of like shy, it would be kind of a hindrance for me to be a part of theater. So I started out, started out recently um, my first semester here and it was a lot of fun. I loved it so much. So why did you want to be in theater when you were young, even though your shyness kept you from it? What what kind of internally about who you are made you want to be involved in theater, even though maybe you didn't have the courage to try it yet? I think when I was younger, it was honestly just how fun the stories are. It's so insane to me how you can read a script and it's a paper with dialogue between two characters. But when you're acting it out on a stage, it becomes so much more. You have the lighting, you have the sound effects, you have the audience watching you. And it's like you're taking what was once on a page and you're actually putting in the effort to make a show out of it that's so completely different but it still retains the same moral uh lesson that is within the paper onto the stage and i think that's why i liked it it just seemed like so much fun from going from the paper to the actual end product it just seemed like in, like an incredible transition and so are there are there things about kind of who you are that makes you connect with performing and is almost I use the word cathartic or um, do you have things about who you are that you, you, you kind of have this desire to express yourself in these ways um, and what, what prompts that? Or is it, is it more just the, the enjoyment of performing just viscerally? I would say it's a little bit of both. I think everyone, when they start to go into like acting, whether it's like theater for like um, a small group of a community theater or maybe like a school project. I think everyone kind of has that show of like wanting to express themselves on a stage where maybe they relate to a character a certain way that they really want to portray um, or they just really want to push themselves on that limit and try maybe having a different personality than they usually have. So I think there's always that everyone can kind of agree with on that same concept that 
they do act because they want to express express themselves in a certain way. But I will say, I do think it's just also for the fun of it for for me. I love both of those ideas. I believe that I do it for both of those ideas. So you you said when you were young, you were more shy, reserved. Yes, for do sure. Do you view yourself that way now? I still do. I wouldn't say that I'm shy per se. I would say I have grown out of my shell a little bit. But when it comes down to being more reserved, I am. Uh, but that's not because... I'm shy. Like I've said previously, I've grown out of my shell. I would say it's more over that. I think it's better to be reserved in some circumstances. Okay. So what do you think, uh, what were some of the things that helped you to get out of that shell in a way? And what were the things that kept you in that shell? Whatever you're willing to share about that. Like what are some of the things that kept you kind of more reserved and, and, and shy and, and what are some of the things that have now led you into kind of being, I view you as more a pretty vocal outgoing person willing to talk about things, um, just from the short time I've been around you. Um, what are some of the things that brought you into that as you grew, grew up? I think honestly, it's pushing my boundaries and being uncomfortable. There was this really good video analysis that I watched recently about how sometimes we tend to not want to push the boundaries uh, that we're afraid to cross because it makes us feel uncomfortable. And we're in this unknown territory that we don't really know how to navigate yet. And we were kind of putting ourselves in this very vulnerable position when we're crossing these boundaries that could possibly hurt us. And when we have that negative impact, once we cross that boundary, we get so scared, we immediately just go back into our shell that we don't want to try it out again. But I would say I think that's how I got out of my shell. I pushed the, past those boundaries. I made myself feel uncomfortable. When I first started out with just theater here, I was a little bit scared at first mm. meeting like the new people because they've already talked to one another. And this is my first time doing something like this. So I'm far behind in like the years of experiences and just even communicating and building bonds with these people. But as I begin to push myself a little bit more, I started talking to a lot of more of these people. I started raising my voice a lot louder because we didn't have mics mm -hmm. and we had to be loud and yep. everything. So I would say what got me out of my shell was just pushing past the boundaries. You have to be uncomfortable to slowly but surely get comfortable in that position. So another quote by that I like um, by Vanessa Redgrave, and if you're in the theater community, you know who she is, um, but most people probably don't know who she is. She um, was born in 1937. She's an English actress throughout her career, which is over 60 years. She garnered a ton of accolades, including an Academy Award, a Tony Award, some primetime Emmy Awards. And she's one of the few performers to achieve the triple crown of acting. Um, she won the Tony Award for Best Actress in a Play. She's had multiple um, Tony nominations, including one in Driving Miss Daisy, the Broadway production. And she says, which I, I think this is an interesting quote, of course, we all come to the theater with baggage, the baggage of our daily lives, the baggage of our problems, the baggage of our tragedies, the baggage of being tired. It doesn't matter what you are, what age you are. But if our hearts get open and released, well, that is what theater can do and does sometimes. And everyone is thankful when that happens. So do you find that like, is there anything healing about doing things like theater to you in terms of some of the baggage you have in your life or things that have happened in your past? Are there things about the process of you opening up more in this context that have, you know, 
helped you to process kind of who you are, what your future is, things like that? I would definitely say for sure that is the case. I think this kind of goes both ways for both the people, a part of the production and the audience members as well. Because I, there have been multiple times where I have watched a movie or I've been to a play and I've been having a problem going on in my life recently. But when I go to, you know, this movie or to watch a TV series or a show, I usually try to do it to kind of just relax for once in a while and get away from the stress of my daily life. But it's almost as if all of a sudden what I'm watching, the characters kind of say something that I can relate to with my problem. And then it almost seems as if that's the solution. So I think even when we don't look for the answers, sometimes theater especially can just show up with that problem, but it makes you face it in such a way that it's almost as if the answer is given to you and it kind of helps you come to that realization. So I would say for sure, Everyone definitely comes to theater with some sort of baggage for multiple different points of views. Yeah, and I think we all as human beings have a lot of baggage. Oh, for <laughs> sure. I think one of the big, uh, one of the big, like, to me, misunderstood realities of life is that we always think we're the only one that's struggling. And I think people are just super good at hiding pain. You know, I think that human beings are very good at hiding pain. You know, and I think I felt various points in my life where that was whatever struggle I had, I was clearly unique in my struggle. And then as I've gotten older, I've realized I wasn't actually unique. It's just that when you're walking around, there's, you know, people are in very different phases of life. And for whatever reason, they're just not making that struggle known. And so it creates an aloneness, you know. So you said you, you sometimes you have trouble going on in life. What do you mean by that? As in terms of like, it's just a struggle to get through certain trials, certain struggles. Um, at your age, you're how old? 18? I'm 19. 19. I'm going to be 20 okay. next month. So. And so at your phase of life, like, you know, what are some of the things that kind of keep you going? What are some of the things that kind of rejuvenate you? You mentioned theater, film, connection with stories. What are some of the other things that kind of help you to process the difficulties of life and the baggage of life? I think it's honestly honestly just persistence. I think a lot of the times whenever I'm going through something, it's and it is hard, especially mm -hmm. uh, because everyone kind of processes different situations in completely different ways. But for me, mostly, there's going to be like a time where I feel like I'm constantly hitting a wall. And it really takes a toll on me, I will admit, sometimes emotionally, sometimes mm -hmm. mentally. And of course, that leads to physically where I just don't want to talk to anybody. And sometimes I'm sure. very reclusive of myself. Mm -hmm. But I will say there are times when I sort of just have this epiphany that, yes, I'm running into a wall. Yes, I don't feel good. But, you know, the world doesn't stop for anyone. You have to get up and you have to keep moving. So I would definitely say it's just this realization that time stops for no one and if you don't move with it you're going to be left behind and it's important to move with it because if you're left behind by yourself it's only going to get worse because then you're stuck in this loneliness of just continuously adding on of just negative emotions yeah and I think that's a profound uh, your honesty is really profound there because I think it's I think a lot of people are struggling in that way and just 
are not being honest about it. You know what I mean? Oh, 100%. We go through ups and downs and sometimes long periods of downs, you know? And it's a lot of it's from trauma that I've had in my life or trauma I've had in relationships or trauma, you know, and it just continues to revisit. So where do you, um, Shakespeare says regarding theater, and I'm kind of using a theater theme, even though we're talking about other things, all the world's a stage and all the men and women are merely players. You've probably heard the quote before. Um, they have their exits and their entrances and one man in his time plays many parts. And of course we could substitute man or woman there. It doesn't matter. How do you see yourself as a player in real life? Meaning, where do you, when you think about the performance of your life, where do you grab meaning? Where do you grab purpose? What do you, what keeps you moving forward? What's your sense of purpose and meaning? Or do you not have a solid answer to that? (laughs) Oh, goodness. I mean. I don't think at your age I had a solid answer to that. (laughs) To be fair, I don't think. I think everyone at certain ages do kind of have like an answer to certain questions. But for this one, I think not for the betterment of myself, but I do think I could relate in a little bit more of a sad tone. Um, Growing up for me, I had a very, very dysfunctional family. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was the youngest of three kids, and my mother was divorced from my father. So she was a single parent uh, taking care of three children, and she was barely home. And my father wasn't much of a good man, I'll say that. He was not at all good to me or especially to my older siblings. And it definitely showed a lot with my older brother and my older sister as we all grew up together Mm -hmm. and it took a lot of a toll on my mom because she was a single parent and she was barely home trying to provide for us financially. And it's never hard being a parent. I mean, it's never easy being a parent. Sorry. My, my bad goodness. (laughs) I think it's, it's pretty hard being a parent. I was about to get defensive. Yeah. Like (laughs) goodness, definitely switch the words. Um, and it is, it's, really hard being a parent especially a single parent you could read so many books about it and i don't think technically speaking you're going to get it a hundred percent correct especially when you're a single mom trying to take care of three children and it was really hard for me growing up admittedly because my brother and my sister they definitely had a lot of emotional baggage from my dad And it took a toll on them mentally and emotionally and physically. My brother was autistic. And, of course, this doesn't apply for everyone who has autism. There's a whole spectrum. Yeah. And it's really hard, especially when you are diagnosed with autism and you grew up in a household that's very dysfunctional because then you don't really know how to communicate socially with other people or express yourself socially and my brother definitely had a hard time with that and my sister definitely had a hard time too with our father and having a lot of negative influences from him it was really hard because my mom trying to be there for them and take care of them and understand them I've come to realize this was taking a toll on her and I don't think a lot of people talk about this, but when you're the youngest, people typically say, you're the baby, you get spoiled. In this case, I was sort of watching through the lens as everyone was just struggling. And so I would observe and I would realize that I 
have to be positive. And I think this is kind of where it loops back into the mm. Shakespeare quote. I felt and I genuinely believed that I had to be positive and that the reason why was because if I was sad, then there was essentially no hope for my mom. Mm. I felt like she at least needed one kid where she felt didn't need her help when and truthfully I had a lot of trauma from my family and I do need help sometimes so at a young age it just sort of felt like I was an actor and I was playing these different parts I had to grow up Hmm. fast from when I was little to help with my family so you almost took like a role of almost trying to be the solution in a way emotionally in a really difficult situation. It was a survival technique probably in some ways, right? For sure. I think, and this is really hard. I, people don't give enough credit to children, but children are emotionally pretty intelligent when they perceive other people's yeah. like facial expressions, actions. And you'll be surprised by how, if you act a certain way, a child will change their whole behavior to fit around you it's and that's what it was like growing up for me I realized just my household growing up and it was very depressing there's no lighter way to put it and so I felt like I had to be happy that way my mom wouldn't have to worry about another child feeling as if she's failing at being a parent Mm. that's a huge weight to carry for a young kid that's a very huge weight so how have you kind of navigated that as you've gotten older has that played into kind of the career you're choosing has that played into kind of like do you have kind of an understanding of like now that i'm an adult i want to kind of chart a different course for my existence like what are some of the ways that you've kind of thought about that what are ways that that experience has made you stronger and and kind of changed the direction of your life do you think can you have you processed that is that something you think about i do think about it a lot truthfully I think no matter what when you grow up with trauma you can never get rid of it truthfully for me personally I have reflected a lot on this and how I want to chart my life but if I'm being completely honest I don't think I have all the answers for it with anything some of the answers that I have I feel like would definitely negatively impact me um for example just recently for like my English class, we're writing about our careers and our future life and how that kind of ties in together to see if our career can support the life that we want. Hmm. And one of the questions that we had was about how finances from our job will relate to our family. So our spouse, our children. And when I got to it, I just crossed it out. And my reasoning for that was because I don't think I want to be married. I don't think I want to have a family because the family that I grew up with left a really bad taste in my mouth. And sometimes I'm afraid, what if I have a spouse and they're exactly like my dad? Or what if I have children and I treat them like how my parents treated me and I make them feel as if they can never come to me with their like thoughts or their feelings? Mm. And I would argue that's a really negative output for me to have because it seems as if I'm not growing at all from my experiences truthfully but also I I really want to be able to grow up 
and to look at the concept of having a family for my sake and being comfortable with the idea that Hmm. I can be vulnerable with someone and they can be vulnerable with me. And that's a hard concept based upon kind of where you came from. Completely understandable. So it sounds like you're already in your thoughts, pushing your boundaries. (laughs) Like you said before. (laughs) Trying. Yeah. You're already kind of questioning kind of how you already think, which is really interesting. Um, So how do you, in the quagmire of all just that life brings, you know, again, the, the question of how do you find an escape or how do you think about not you in particular, but how do you think people find an escape from baggage, trauma, pain? I mean, I've watched a lot of people in my life, just from my perspective, who um, have had varying degrees of trauma. And a lot of our trauma that we've had as children, um, depending upon what level of, you know, not everyone has had trauma as a child or significant trauma, but some people have. It's not something we can change. You know, when we're children, we have very little control over our own lives. So our parents, we don't have control over. I mean, there's a multitude of things that we're just powerless to change. And so then we, we enter into adulthood with this, this history and we just have to live with that history. Right. So then the question is, how do you make sense of it? You know, how do you make sense of it? Like, why does why do these things happen to us? Like, um, I mean, for me, the, you know, where I get meaning is from things like esoteric ideas, faith, um, uh, a, a cosmic purpose in life, a co- sense of cosmic justice, those kinds of things. But not everybody agrees with that. So, like, where do you get your sense of, uh, of how am I going to navigate this? How am I going to overcome it? Is there an escape from it? Is there justice for the things that have been done wrong to me? All those kinds of questions. You can answer any of them or all of them. It doesn't matter. I think, personally, for me, what is helping me kind of, like, face it is just honestly talking about it because growing up for me I never got to talk about my problems to anyone in my family and when I had that thought of if I can't talk to it with my family I can't talk to it with anybody because if my own parents or my own siblings or if no one that I'm related to cares then no one else is going to care but as I grew up and I got these outside perspectives about it, I've come to realize that I do have trauma, that I do have a lot of things impacting me from my past as from when I was a kid. And honestly, for one, I just think talking about it and acknowledging that you didn't really have a good family or a good childhood growing up is the first step to actually being on a good path you have to acknowledge it and once you acknowledge it that opens the pathway to explore it to look at it in more detail to see what you can do to help you for me personally I think it's honestly just art I think I love to write I love to draw I love to act I love to sing I think it's for me that's just how I can deal with it because I can't really go up to a person and talk to them about my feelings because I never felt comfortable with that personally in my own house but through art I can just draw something and I understand what I'm trying to convey there's this really good quote I forgot who said it but it's this quote saying 
how essentially art is to make the abused feel comfort and the comfort feel abused. Hmm. Because we kind of express things differently through art. There's a lot of people who might have baggage who show that through a painting or through a song or through dance. And there have been multiple times when I've seen art that relates to that. And going through what I've went through, I have felt just so much of a connection to that piece. And there are some people who may not have understand what I've went through, what other people have went through like similarly, and they might not understand it exactly, but once they see it and they understand the meaning, they can get a little bit more empathy of that. Um, There's this one really amazing art piece that's, some people might think it's silly. I forgot who the artist was, but it's amazing. His art medium is broken plates in silverware. But this is what's amazing about it. He breaks these ceramic plates that are so beautiful and dainty that are like from your grandma's cupboard. And he puts them together with like crude, rusted metal and sewn red yarn and barbed wire. But his inspiration for that is how not all of us come out of life completely unscarred. It's about abuse. It's about trauma. And one of the pieces that I remember looking at and I just started crying because of it was this beautiful ceramic plate that was broken into pieces, but he sewed it together with these like metal wire. And the title of the piece, I kid you not, I believe is this. Please don't love me because I'm completely broken, but maybe just maybe one of my pieces is lovable. And I started crying because of that. What made that kind of super moving to you? Like, what's the part of it that was profound to you? I mean, obviously the statement is self-explanatory, but. I think it's because I actually saw myself as that broken plate. (laughs) I don't think people understand when I talk about it, they might laugh and think it's a plate. How can you relate to it? But going through what I went through, sometimes I do feel like that. Sometimes I feel like I'm a bunch of broken pieces and I'm trying to mend myself together because I don't know how to talk about it to anybody. But that artwork made me felt so seen and it made me feel as if the artist who did that reached out and said, I know what you went through and this is who you are. I see you. And that's why I felt such a connectedness to it because it just it spoke to me it that's what I felt like I felt like that play right well that's profound and I think it's it's uh I think that brokenness I think something you're you're bringing up which I want to explore a little bit more is the idea of how there's a connection in particular with art music theater sculpture I mean all forms of fine arts uh, uh, there's a there's a connectedness that people who've never had tragedy probably can't reach because like if you know, art is the connection to art is a connection to beauty and beauty is not just laced in positive emotion. There's beauty laced in 
in negative emotion as well. And I think that what you're describing is something that a lot of people struggle to connect with. I do think, I will say, I think that we're kind of going into a society that's starting to accept a lot more of like mental health and actually listening to people who have been abused, which I really like because back in the day, I feel as if you could just never talk about it without feeling almost embarrassed and feeling as if you, the victim, were the problem for bringing up such a depressing and negative side of yourself that, Mm -hmm. quite frankly, you could never control. But I will say, I do kind of like how we are moving as a society towards being more open about abuse and about trauma and about mental health. But... Quick side note, I've also recently, it's come to my attention that there are some people who feel as if they can't make art in any medium because they haven't experienced trauma. That's not at all the case. That's not true, yeah. And I really wish people who felt as if they're excluded from that, they shouldn't at all feel like that. I think Mm -hmm. sometimes while it's good to see the negativity and the beauty that we can take away from that negativity, positivity is just as equally needed. Yeah. I'd much rather that all of us had no trauma. Oh, a hundred percent. Are you kidding <laughs> so, me? So I think that, uh, the idea of seeking trauma for its own sake is probably a futile endeavor. Um, it's contrary to what we want, but so, uh, when you look at that, you, you talk about the idea of, it was hard for you to share these things with people just because of your upbringing. And you just brought up another interesting point is that people that come out of abuse or even bullying or whatever else, they oftentimes feel ashamed to share. Um, because when you're a victim, you're in a weaker position and you don't want to share a weaker position, right? You don't want to, you don't want to, you'd almost, you know, if I'm in a situation where I'm being mistreated, I almost want to feel like I can handle it myself because it makes me feel weaker to be a victim. You know what I mean? Even though I might authentically be a victim, someone might be actually mistreating me and treating me unjustly. And so I think that there, there is an element to that. Um, but then even after that, like I've noticed in my own life when those situations have happened, that once I come to terms with what's happening, sometimes there's a loneliness that just kind of lingers. You know, because... Even if you connect with that piece of art or you connect with that person or if you went to like a support group or something and you you heard another person's story and it gave you kind of like a or you watched a film that it was about abuse and then you kind of like connected to that film or something. It's a short lived feeling for me. It is in no, those 100%. situations. Right. And so then the question becomes, where does the consistency come and this is just something for us to theorize and think about, and maybe you have an answer to it. Where does the consistency come from that sense of belonging to be like a consistent, like, I now feel like I've not just been heard by this artist, or I've been seen by this artist, or I've been seen by this movie, you know, producer who's a a relative stranger to me, but how do we get to the point where we actually feel a deep satisfaction that kind of almost overcomes that. Have you thought about that? Or how, I mean, how have you, um, have you attained that? Or is that something that feels out of reach? Truthfully, I think when it comes down to trauma, 
you could have that feeling of finally being secure and stable. But I also think back to the one artist I was just talking about, not all of us come out of life unscarred. Even though we may have coped with it and we may be able to move forward, there still are probably some ugly bits that linger. I don't think I have a direct answer to that yet. And I don't know if I can attain it, truthfully. But that doesn't mean that someone else who's gone through abuse or trauma cannot attain it themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think for me... Because when you talked about that, about how it's such a short-lived experience, about how we might relate to it from a piece of art or a director or a show, I honestly think what may be able to help us feel that like consistent sense of stableness in our lives is if we come to that resolution ourselves. Because we're just hearing it from one person, but we haven't experienced it ourselves. We haven't thought of it ourselves. Of mm. thought of it up ourselves I think it has to come from us directly that sense of completion and wholeness and just a revelation we have to come up with it ourselves okay. and so is there a for you is there any kind of like metaphysical principles metaphysical meaning philosophical principles religious principles spiritual principles that interact that you interact with that help you to um think through your trauma and think through challenges in your life and baggage or do you mainly focus on experiences your own psyche or something in between or something completely different you know what do you grab hold of as like a an anchor in terms of your thought philosophy religion spirituality whatever you want to use Ooh, sorry that's a really good question (laughs) yeah um, hmm. I think for me personally, I don't know if I have an answer for that yet because like I've said, I've basically grown up in this house yep. where I never really got to talk about my problems and therefore I never really got to explore all of like my troubles and my issues. Truthfully, I think the one time I ever got to actually acknowledge it was when I was like fresh out of high school. When I was like 18, almost 19. That was like, I think the first time I've come to this epiphany that I have trauma. And quite frankly, because I'm so, I feel as if I'm so late into the game of getting Mm -hmm. help for myself that I'm trying out, and I am trying out all of these like coping mechanisms, all of these different mindsets, maybe some just affirmations to help calm me down that truthfully I don't know what works yet because there's so many endless possibilities to help you feel in a safer space for yourself but because I feel so late in the game I'm stuck with these things of well I don't know if it's working for me yet Mm. but I also know that you can't rush progress everyone needs to go at their different speeds to feel stable Mm mm-hmm so before you came to this realization, kind of what was your thoughts about your life? I mean, how did you think differently before you came to the realization? Did you just feel that, were you in denial kind of of some of your experiences or or was it more that you were just avoiding it or? I want to say it's a little bit of both. A little bit of both. Okay. I think, ooh, we're getting into the talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can name a couple of circumstances where 
I've had a problem with abuse and I have gone to my mother because she was my father was barely in my life she was like the number one person I've had that I've tried reaching out to with this connection of hey I have something that's wrong with me mentally and I need help and she would just say something that I would immediately recline from um one case that I can remember very vividly is I've for sure had depression growing up and it was really bad for me, but I never really talked about it because my brother and my sister were going through similar things as well. They also had depression. And I remember thinking to myself, mom is dealing with my older brother. I can't tell her about this. And oh, well, he's moved out of the house now, but my sister's now de- dealing with depression. And my mom is focusing on her and she's really stressing about it. I can't tell her. Mm-hmm. I remember very distinctly, this was like my last year of high school. My brother was out of the house. My sister was just out of the house. And my mom, conveniently, when I was alone with her, brought up this conversation of, oh, you know, I feel really bad for your cousin. It's She's been going through a lot recently with depression, and I want to, really want to help out your aunt. I remember thinking, this is my time. I can finally tell her at the age of 18 that I don't like me or I have all of these problems with me that I need to focus on and we can work through it together. And I remember starting off saying, you know, I can kind of relate to my cousin mom because sometimes I feel really sad too about myself and my life. And immediately she cut me off as she went, Lena, I've dealt with it with your brother I've dealt with the depression thing with your sister. I don't want to deal with it a third time around. And that made me immediately recline. Oh, for sure. Because it took a ton of courage to, to release that and then to have, you know, someone you're closest to, probably your closest relationship to just not be up for it. Yeah. That's super painful. It really hurt because it, she just basically told me, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want right. to deal with you. But truthfully, my trauma is a part of me. And it's really affected me in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And when she said that, I didn't even argue. I just said, okay, I understand. And then we just moved forward with it. So... There is that case of I was just avoiding it for the longest time because I thought she just does not care about my depression. She does not care about me. But then it slowly turned into just straight denial. And I remember this was when I realized that I have trauma and that I need help was I was working as a cashier for a gas station. And one of my coworkers, he's a funny guy, really sweet man. He loves talking about morality and ethics and always poking the bear, you could say. He came up to me and he asked me, hey, you're new around here because I came from Florida and this was in Michigan. And he goes, got any skeletons in the closet? And I said, 100%, immediately, no hesitation. Nope, I have no skeletons at all. And he goes, really? find that Mm. hard to believe. I feel like everyone has at least some form of skeleton in the closet. For sure. And... 
I said no, because to me, from my perspective, because I just never talked about it, about my problems, I thought that was normal, so to speak. So I just said, I have no problems at all. And then we started talking about my experiences growing up with my dad, with my siblings, with my mom. And then he looked at me and he looked so quizzical and he said, are you sure you don't have any skeletons? And I'm like, no. And he goes, I think you do. Mm. And when he said that, that put such a perspective into my mind. Because for once in my life, I was talking about something that I thought was normal because I was basically put in a situation where not only I thought, but my own mother shunned me from talking about it. That someone is pointing out, I have a problem and I need to recognize it. And that puts such a perspective into my mind. So not only do I think I was avoiding it for the longest time, but I actually developed being in denial about it. So you actually kind of, even though you could see it almost like you're viewing a video of your life, you could compartmentalize it as it didn't really affect me. You know, or did, you know, I'm good. I'm all good. It's pretty much my mother. Like there have been so many times I've gone up to her and I tried talking to her about it, but she has always somehow made an excuse where there's nothing we can do about it. There is nothing I can do about it. Discussion's over. We will never talk about it again. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of her trauma is involved in that as well. Oh, 100% I yeah. do. Yeah, just it's uh, all of us in the environments we grew up in, like um, trauma is just so multidimensional, you know, relational brokenness, abuse, neglect. I mean, it's just, it's like a web where everyone who's involved in it reacts to it differently and responds to it differently and just has all kinds of different issues and ways of responding to it. So, yeah, this is kind of why I wanted to talk to you is I just can see that like, you know, just the lobster costume alone was enough. Oh I mean, goodness. for me to see, and that seems like this, the most inconsequential thing, but I'm, I'm a faculty. I've been a faculty for 17 years. Okay. And I observe people. I'm a, I try to notice what people do in my classes, what students do, how they think, what careers they choose, what music they listen to. I enjoy learning about people. And, you know, when I saw that you were, you know, going to wear a lobster costume at Delta College, I went, Lena's willing to try some different things. You know what I mean? You know, compared to the average student. Oh, my goodness. And willing to express herself, you know? So I thought that was very cool. You know what I mean? And so I think your story has a lot to offer people because I think it's, uh, you know, I think that's one of the redemptive parts about sharing your story is that it, it helps you to get uh, a sense of release, but it also helps other people to recognize that these issues are real. You know, and that actually almost everyone's experiencing some level of them. For sure. Your situation is definitely unique to you because you're you. But pain is not uh, not normal. I mean, you look at our society right now, just quite frankly, and the average American is medicating a lot. I know. What I mean by medicating, I'm not talking fentanyl. I'm talking video games, social media, movies, television, overeating, energy drinks, coffee, alcohol. I mean, people are medicating in a lot of different ways in our society, which is really ironic because we have an extremely like comfortable society. 
For sure. In general, we're the wealthiest society in history of the world. More comforts, more luxuries than anyone else. But yet we have all these challenges with relationships and uh, self-esteem or our understanding of who we are, our sense of meaning and purpose. And so we can't seem to escape that reality, even though we've figured out a way to be super rich and be very powerful. <laughs> you uh, know? Those Americans. <laughs> That's right. So, so, uh, so how does neuroscience play to this? Where in the world did you get an interest in neuro of all the professions you could have went in? Wanted? Is it because you want to understand the mind? Is it because you want to have a good career because you like really challenging problems? Oh, goodness. How did you pick neuroscience or a neurology? You want to be a neurologist or a neuroscientist? I want to be a surgeon. You want to be a, okay, so you want to be a neurosurgeon. Me. Yes, 100%. Okay. I love a challenge. Right. So is it just the challenge or is it, Ooh. what do you think it is? You're getting to the nitty gritty. Oh gosh. So, cause this kind of was, I was in this position when I moved up here in Michigan that I genuinely did not know what I want for myself because I was so focused on with my family and putting everyone needs before my own that I never really stopped to sort of look into my brain and think, well, what do I want? You know, I'm out of high school. I'm an adult now. I'm my own person. What do I want? And so I was thinking about it and I was like, okay, I need a goal for myself. I need to work towards something. And so I was thinking and I went back to the basics. Well, what was I good at in middle school? Biology. Okay. Well, what did I like during high school? Science. Hmm. What is something that is within my family that they can somewhat give me advice on medical settings. And I just kind of thought about it and I'm like, well, go big or go home, I guess be a surgeon. That's cool. <laughs> so that's kind of how I got to that point. That's great. No, that's great. So yeah, I wondered if there was like a connection just to the mind, you know, and if you had like a particular interest, but it sounds like you're just, you're passionate about the idea of science and a surgeon is a great profession. A hundred percent. So are you, you said you grew up in Florida or did you, when did you move to Michigan or how long you been in Michigan? So my mom, when she was taking care of the three of us, she was in the air force. So we moved okay. around a lot. Okay. Uh, Florida was the longest we stayed because I want to say it was, I was in fifth grade, no third grade. She retired uh, from the military and we stayed in Florida for like a couple of years until I graduated from high school. I moved up to Michigan after I graduated in the May of 2022. And that summer we moved up here. And I want to say we've been here for like just a little, like a two years maybe. Okay. So you're acclimating to cold weather. Oh, 100%. Let's go. Let's go. So what's your... Uh, um, was a question I was just going to ask. What's your, uh, on a lighter note, kind of what kind of music do you listen to? What is your favorite type of music? Or do you have like a favorite type of film or? I have two favorite films. Oh, interesting. Okay. Number one, Seven. It is a thriller starring Morgan yep. Freeman and Brad, Brad Pitt. Very, very gruesome film, but it is so well written. Okay. The acting is amazing. The set designs are amazing. I love the characters. I could go 
on about seven. Number really? two. Really interesting. Okay. I love seven. Number two. This is like my comfort movie. Legally Blonde. <laughs> I aspire to be like Elle Woods every single day. That's funny. That's cool. All right. How about music? Do you have music? What, what Do you have a style of music that you like or artist you like or think about it i don't think not I really have. yeah because i feel like i kind of listen to a little bit of everything okay so it's a little bit hard to stick to one genre when i like yeah your generation's a little different like when i was growing up it was like everything was cd based and album based yeah. and artist based so like you had to go buy something at the store otherwise you couldn't listen to it right so True. you you would commit to certain artists because you didn't want to spend money to try out other artists and so so now you guys you just i mean this generation including me we can just go on YouTube and listen to whatever we want. So we become more probably song specific. Oh, 100%. You know, so I, it's easier for me to answer what songs I'm listening to than what artists I'm listening to, actually. 100%. It's a little bit easier sometimes. So. Okay, well, I think we that was a great conversation. We started with talking about theater, and we ended up going into some deeper topics, which was pretty fun. So I think people enjoy kind of connecting to those those things. So Nice. Did you have anything else you wanted to add before we end? Hmm. Well, you're putting me on the spot, and I don't really have anything on okay. the top of my head, so I think we're all good. Sorry That's for the depressing little bit of information. Oh, I don't think you should apologize for that. I think that's really... We all share our stories, and I think that, ever, like you said, the artist who created that work of art and how it moved you, I mean, he was, he was sharing that from a position of brokenness, probably. You know, I think our society... My, my own soap... One of my soapboxes in life is that our society is is way against um, being open about being broken. For sure. To me, it's a manifestation of pride and ego, and it's really not very helpful for anyone. So, cool. Well, thanks a lot, and I know I'll be seeing you around the college. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thank you all for joining us again on Settle the Matter. In the meantime... Grab a few friends and go out and seek to settle your own matters. And until next time, have a great day.